Colin's Last Stand Knockback is brought to you by, well, you. Knockback, in addition to the interview podcast series Fireside Chats and the weekly YouTube show dedicated to video games called SideQuest, is fan-funded over at patreon.com slash Stand. and without you, none of these shows would exist. If you like Knockback or any of what Colin's Last Stand does, please consider going to Patreon and showing your support. You can even get cool perks in return, like early access to shows, the ability to vote on future show topics, exclusive Q&As, and much more. Thank you for believing in Colin's Last Stand. Now, on to the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Colin's Last Stand Knockback. My name is Colin Moriarty. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Dagan Moriarty. Who's scruffy looking? Who's scruffy looking? I am. <laughs> shush. Shush. You shush. <laughs> now, Dagan, this is the last of the first batch of episodes we're going to record together. Yes. And I put this one intentionally at the end because, well, actually, I wanted to start with one in the beginning, Empire Strikes Back, and then one at the end of the first wave, which is G.I. Joe, because these are two things that you and I have bonded over very significantly. Actually, we've really bonded over all of this stuff, but these are two things that we can talk forever about. Yeah. And let's do that. Yeah. So let's let's just talk forever. <laughs> G.I. Joe is really important to me, really special to me as a property. And I'm not specifically talking about, and this podcast won't specifically be about, the 12-inch doll toy line that was, you know, that predates G.I. Joe, the real American hero, which is what we're really going to be talking about, the 1982 to 1994 toy line and everything that kind of encapsulates it, the three and three-fourth inch line, yeah. I should say. So we're not going to get real old school and talk about the the more army-centric dolls that were kind of derivative of really the 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 Barbies and the kind of the more, it was weird actually when those dolls, you know, the G.I. Joe kind of toys came out. Yeah. That boys would pay, play with what looked like dolls. That was yeah. a revolutionary toy. Yeah. So I'm not discounting it. It's just that I don't have any expertise in that and yeah. I'm not really interested in it at all. But I am interested in what, when that toy line went away towards the late 70s and early 80s. And actually, there's a really great Netflix documentary about this that you can learn a lot about that particular toy line. But when that kind of went away and they wanted to bring it back, they were inspired a great deal by. Obviously, what Kenner was doing with Star Wars and obviously Hasbro at the time was the company that was doing G.I. Joe and Kenner. I think Hasbro eventually bought Kenner. So, um, yes, they did. So, you know, Star Wars toys and G.I. Joe's will all be made under the same roof eventually. So I just wanted to be clear that that's what we're specifically going to be talking about yes, on this show. Yes. Yeah. In case you, for some reason, have some sort of yeah. sort uh, affinity for for these really bland dolls, you know, do, you know, yeah, scuba diver dolls and shit like that. They but, actually predate me, by the way, which is. Makes me feel good, actually. Yeah, it's one of those few things that predates you. <laughs> so, so G.I. Joe was something that Dagan was into. Dagan being, you know, about 11 years older than me, was into really around the time probably that I was born. Yeah. And again, the Real American Hero line begins in 1982. It actually was delayed a year. It was supposed to come out even earlier than that. And it was immediately a huge hit. It lasted for 12 years. A toy line lasting in continuity for 12 years and a comic book series that lasts alongside of it for the entire run is, is extraordinary and unheard of even today. So one of the most successful toy lines of all time. Yeah. So not exactly like this rare thing from the past. Dagan, what was your memory of G.I. Joe? How did you get into G.I. Joe and why, why were you pulled towards it? Yeah, that's a, that's a great start. So it's funny too. I remember um, grandma and grandpa were actually the first people to get me my initial like the first, I would say the all the first G.I. Joes I have were from Grandma and Grandpa. And I remember Grandpa telling me, like, these are based on actually a doll line. 
of like Barbie sized dolls. And that, that like blew my mind. I was like, whoa, that's that's pretty that's pretty amazing. So he gave me that history early, so I knew that I knew that, which was kind of cool. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like they came out of, of course, I'm a child of the '70s, so my first big thing was Star Wars figures, and that, of course, Kenner, of course, as we all know, blazed the trail for the three and three quarter inch action figure with the Star Wars line. And so when GI Joe first came out. There was a couple of miniseries that they televised, two miniseries, one in 83 and one in 84, and they were televising these things. And I think that went along with also Hasbro's gigantic marketing push, advertising push in those days, the TV commercials. And it was like, whoa, there's a new, I remember it really resounding with me because what had happened was we saw this other three and three quarter inch action figure line. It was really the first major one besides Star Wars. I'm like, what is this thing now? Like, what is this now? This looks amazing. And the initial run, of course, were all very authentic, realistic looking, you know, olive and beige colored, very believable vehicles and soldiers. It looked, you know, realistic. They had removable helmets, but they were po- they were also po- posable. They they were jointed. They weren't just the four points of articulation. They had, you know, they had they were the rubber band, you know, as we all know, super posable, and immediately just resounded with my me and my friends we wanted to get these things and I remember I guess it was my birthday the first time and it was kind of interesting because it was my first foray into collecting something besides Star Wars which I was collecting from 78 through that time which I guess was 82 when I first got my late in 82 when I first got my first GI Joes and I got the Mobat tank that that battery powered tank that came with, uh, I think, Steeler, right? The Steeler action figure. I think so. And yeah. I got Rock and Roll, the Rock and Roll figure. It was a great character. Right? The heavy machine gunner and the mobile missile system. I got those all for my birthday. And that was my first. And I think I had enough proof of purchases to order Cobra Commander, the the silver visored Cobra Commander through the mail. Right, which was a mail order. That was a mail order. Those were my first Joes. And he came, and I remember it. I just remember that, actually. He had the gun that kind of sat on his back. You could clip into his back, I believe. Which was, you know, our minds were blown. And then it was just like my friend Tommy, who will figure prominently into my G.I. Joe story, who had, he was that kid. He was such a nice kid. And he came from such a nice family. But we all know someone like this. He had everything. I mean, he had everything of everything. Literally. Not just like the classic triumvirate Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Transformers. He had every He-Man figure, every Battlestar Galactica, every Buck Rogers. I mean, this, is, this was the kid on the block who had the USS flag. He had every every single. So thing. you knew someone that had the flag because that thing was like yeah. that thing was like seven feet long. Oh, it was legendary. It was as legendary as you remember. It. Except when you're 10, 11, 12, it's it seems like it's like a real aircraft carrier. Like why why didn't they just make a real aircraft carrier? Like, right, that's right. how big it was. So yeah, but we'll get into more into that. But that was my that was my introduction into GI Joe, which I'll go more into. But that was the very first bit of it for me, and I guess that was late eighty two because I my birthday was in December and then Christmas, so. Yeah, that was the start. And was it just the draw? Because you collected Return of the Jedi figures too, right? So yes. You were kind of, and that was 83. So All you were, the way through. And the Jedi line, I don't think, ended until 85. So you yeah. were concurrently collecting G.I. Yep. Joe and this. And you were also in, a little later, in the Transformers, Transformers. and Mask. Mask and stuff my, like that. So yeah. you were you were, you were were a purchaser of, cho- of toys. It yeah. wasn't like you were... Uh, you were kind of only into one thing. No, I was discerning. I really hated Masters of the Universe. 
you know, Tommy had, my friend Tommy had all those things. And I remember like we could do a whole episode on retro collecting, but I, I remember like, what is this is giant muscle bound dudes and they have squishy heads. Like I didn't understand. I was like, no, this isn't for like right away. I was like, no, that I'm not doing that. Yeah. I never understood that. Rather put my resources into the other three things. Sure. Of course. So what was, so was it just that you had such a good time with collecting, you know, a new hope and empire toys at the time that, that this was like kind of a natural continuation of a three and three fourth inch kind of collecting line. Although the first wave, the, like the 1982 bundle of GI Joes, like the very first wave, had those straight arms and stuff like that. So they that's were kind true. of they were kind of more similar to Star Wars figures. But did you notice that? The, that's the, right. I forgot about that. Did you You're notice right. that the quality increased a great deal? Uh, com- like uh, comparing a Return of the Jedi yeah. action figure to a GI Joe is like night and day. Like I love old Star Wars figures, but they're not the most well made. Well, no. well, you know, the, the the molds are a little off and stuff like yeah. that. The GI Joe toys are really actually quite high quality. Did you notice that even as a kid? Yeah, I think that did speak to us. I think that was something that we felt inherently. They just felt more sophisticated. The hell, you know, not that Star Wars didn't have removable pieces, and and you know they might have come with spears and guns and helmets in some cases. And stuff. The GI Joe helmets had detachable visors in a lot of cases. It seemed a little more. It seemed a little more like big kid. You know, I think that was definitely a thing. They seemed a little less chunky, a little more like you said. Even though initially they weren't as poseable, they. They broke it. They broke the molds down and made them more poseable later on. But even initially, it felt like a little more poseable, a little more realistic. Yeah, it just there were, and you know, of course, they got more exciting and more colorful than just that initial run, which felt, especially the good guys, felt very realistic. Like these are realistic soldiers that you would see, you know, today in 1983 or whatever. Yeah, I think that definitely spoke to us, and I think the the Star Wars line. Rapping, like you said, they did have the second wave of Return of the Jedi that came later, but we already had Star Wars Empire and Jedi stuff. So I think the timing was was right. And I'm sure that was part of the strategy. You know, especially boys at that time, kid, but kids in general, they were ready for them to collect the next thing. You know, and here it comes. Enter G.I. Joe. We were so excited about it. So you had mentioned, well, what I'm fascinated about with G.I. Joe having come into it really in the late 80s when yeah. I was like cognizant enough. So G.I. Joe was still going strong at that time. But what I'm fascinated by is is uh, Hasbro's kind of foresight to understand how they were going to market these things and how they were going to bombard potential consumers, kids and their parents with kind of a trifecta of things, which was the toys and the toy commercials themselves yeah. and hoping that you just buy them based on that. But then the Marvel comic book. With Larry Hama, that that you know launched alongside, and actually was part of the reason for the delay, I think, to launch alongside a comic book from Marvel, which also gave them the idea of making the file cards and really getting nitty gritty into who the characters were, which is right. a huge part of GI Joe and GI Joe lore. And then also the cartoon you had mentioned, obviously the mini series, the first mini series. I wrote it down here, I think, because I wanted to get a show. Yeah, there was two mini series, I think, eighty three and eighty four, and then. Right. That series ran until '86, and I actually didn't know that there was not there was no continuity there. There are actually two separate cartoon series, and I, I didn't know that actually okay. until I started researching for this episode. Yeah, because you were a baby. Yeah, like I just thought they were the same because they actually are, I think, made by the same studio. But yeah, they were pub- they were distributed and published and written by totally different teams. That was Sunbow at that time, right? I, Sunbow, yeah, and then Deke came in later. Deke and, came and, later, and, and I just didn't really even know. Yeah, that. Now, so I actually grew up more with the Deke line of toys and the cartoons as opposed to kind of the earlier stuff you did. Uh, although I had that crossover with you, and I have a lot of those toys. That's interesting. So, was were you interested in all the other stuff that surrounded the toys in terms of the comic books and in terms of the the cartoon? Yeah, I'm so I'm so grateful that you brought that up because I almost forgot about that when I was in sixth grade. And I was fully immersed into G.I. Joe. And also keep in mind, when I was in sixth grade, 
of my you know my generation sixth grade you were pushing it with the toys at that age like you were you were pretty much getting out of toys but you felt the pressure to get out of it it wasn't like today we didn't have nerdist and kevin smith and it was awesome to be a nerd and you know 300 dollars masterpiece transformers and stuff like that thank god it's like that now but it wasn't back then so that was like when you were feeling the pressure and i remember i had a friend michael in sixth grade and he was like we were both in the gi joe but he was like do you know these these comic he had a bunch of comic books he said did you ever see these things i said no and you know because i knew the cartoon and the toys but i didn't know the comic book and he was like check this out and he would show me the i remember he showed me the comics and i don't know exactly what issues they were or whatever but i looked at them and they were like a, a more mature presentation it wasn't the lasers and the parachutes and the the guy gets you know abandons the exploding vehicle right at the last minute this was like this was adult this was heavy duty you could tell the tone of it was like a more realistic presentation of those characters that you love you know here's storm shadow he's wrecking shop you know what i mean and i was like blown away by them i was like whoa and that was actually the spark that kept me feeling like oh this is see this is kind of adult like i could keep doing this for a while you know and then the mask the mask toys came along and i was like i'm not leaving this yet I can't stop playing with toys yet. Right, that right, was a right. whole nother story. But, um, and other things like Jason, the wheeled warriors and stuff. But yeah, that was actually really important for me because it inspired me to, to realize at least in my own mind that it was okay to keep digging this stuff, you know, and that I could, this is, this is, see, this is adult. This is, this is a cool, look how well drawn and well written this comic is. This Larry Hama comic is, this is, you know, and I wish, I really wish I had some of them. I never owned any of those comics. The Transformer comic, the Marvel Transformer comics of that era too, which were very cool. Um, because they took a lot of the times, they took the story and the characters and they would make it, a, they would go a little further than the content that they were able to put on the television because of the censorship and everything. So I'm glad you brought that up because that was a big thing for me. That that was like almost like a, you know, a sigh of relief. Like these, that felt me, it helped me to realize like, at least in my own head, you know, like, see, I could do this. I'm a, I'm, this is big boy stuff, you know? So, so how did the, how did, do you remember or have recollection of like the approach to collecting, how you would figure to buy a new toy, how you yeah. would balance that with your other hobbies and, and yeah. how you would identify? Cause these waves were actually getting bigger and bigger. I mean, yeah. towards the late eighties that the, they were releasing like 30 or 40 or 50 new ones a year. There, there are over 500 GI Joes between 1982 and 1994. So wow. just in, you know, if you divide 500 by 12, you get, you get an enormous number. Now that's a lot. The number gets way higher towards the end and in the middle than in the beginning. I think yeah. there are only like 14 of them or 16 of them in the first year. So how do you go into the store and card through them? Cause I have really, the one thing that I do remember is going to like a toy store and there were just so many GI Joes, and you would just card through them and it see was what they had. It was, there was an extraordinary amount of them. Yeah, there really was. So, it, so how did you figure? How, like, who? How did you identify who you wanted? And that's and, a great question. It, it it almost you're right. It did almost feel overwhelming. There was a sheer amount of just a huge amount of those of those figures. Like, you know, Cobra and GI Joes. And you know, I was one of those kids too. Let me preface this by saying I'm sure a lot of kids can relate to this. I got toys. This is when I got toys growing up. I got toy toys for Christmas. I got toys for my birthday. I got toys for all four report cards. I would, get, you know, I all right. You did good. Here's twenty bucks. You get a toy. Let's go to Toys R Us. And I got one toy for, which is a little weird, but this is like the tradition in my home, which you'll remember. We got one toy for Easter, like one big toy, you know, quote unquote, big big toy for Easter. Like I got Optimus Prime for Easter one year. 
right? That was one. You could get a toy in your Easter basket. And then, of course, I had grandma and grandpa, which who spoiled me to death. Like it wasn't it was go to grandma's house and get a toy, too. But I'm just saying in general, besides grandma, and right, grandpa, right. leave grandma and grandpa out of the equation because right. they really did spoil me. So I had to be sort of discerning. You know, I wasn't getting all the dreadnoughts. So like which one did I think was the coolest? Blowtorch. You know? Yes. Good answer. Good answer. And I think he's actually the only one I own. Yeah, you did. I, so, I did. like, you really did have to, like, I really did have to plan that out. Like, I wasn't getting all, you know, I wasn't getting, like, I wasn't going to army build my my Cobra officers. Like, that was, I was going to get one. Right. Know? Yeah, I loved that kind of stuff that people had. Like, did, did Tommy have multiple officers yeah. and Vipers and stuff? Not only did Tommy, to get into Tommy, who's, you know, again, like, such a lovely kid and such a lovely family. Like, he was just, like, a great kid. He wasn't, like... The Reginald, like, spoiled brat kid who just acted like a brat. His mom was a doctor, right? His mom was a biologist, I biologist, think. And right. his dad was an accountant. So they did well. They did well. Right. You know, they were less blue-collar than everybody else on the block, you know, but such nice people. But you know what? His mom, especially, I remember, had the foresight at that time, which is almost unheard of. She, when she picked up a toy, she got she got one to keep on the card as well. That's so unbelievable. Now, they probably I mean, that's all, unbelievable. They, they probably have, the, have them all. Yeah. And not just oh my god, not even GI Joe, but some cash. I know it's crazy, right? And I haven't seen Tommy in a long time, but that to have that in, that insight and that foresight as a as a parent back in the late '80s, or I'm sure Tommy has stuff on card, and he had two siblings as well. It wasn't just him. I'm sure they have stuff on card from at least Empire on, you know. And he was the one too that had like the Sears Star Wars set with the blue snaggle tooth. He had, I mean, when I say he had everything, he had everything. So it was always a treat because if I didn't have it, we could just go play over Tommy's house, you know, vehicles and figures, everything. So that was a treat. So I actually got to see everything growing up and I got to play with everything even if I didn't own it. So it was kind of cool, you know. It was also really jealousy inducing, but that's a whole nother story, you know. So, yeah, I had to be really discerning. So sometimes I would say, okay, like a character on the show, like I want Storm Shadow because he's so cool on the show. And sometimes it was just seeing that a, a figure, one of my favorites, Firefly. That wasn't really in the cartoon very much, but you saw him on the card and you had to have him. I mean, this guy's in gray camo ninja costume. Yes, yes, please. You know, of course. So I remember and you kind of discern between the ones you think look lame and the ones that you think like I never had shipwreck. I thought, ship. oh, the, the sailor guy. No, th- I think I'll take blowtorch. This guy looks a lot cooler. You yeah, know? like yeah, I'll definitely. leave shipwreck on the pegs. Yeah, and someone else could have. Someone else could have shipwreck. <laughs> you know, Tommy's gonna have. So well, he came with, with a bird, dude. Didn't he come with a parrot? Yeah. Uh, what was his name? The parrot. I don't even. I can't, I can't remember. remember. But yeah, like sh- I remember. You know, there was a couple of figures like um, that were like the cannon fodder. You know, like th- they're gonna be picked last in gym class. You know, right. I'll go into that too. But yeah, like shipwreck and of course cutter. You know, I could the Boston, the Red Sox hat. Yeah. That, yeah no, he was can. going first. Yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> um, so <laughs> and pro- not only was he going first, he was probably going badly. <laughs> Sorry, Red Sox. That, he man. was the one that went when Cobra launched the surprise attack to, to begin the play session. So he was <laughs> he was. Yeah, he was the one that immediately was. killed. <laughs> so. So, yeah, it's a good question. So I had to. So it was a choice between how the characters were presented on the cartoon. Like, of course, Storm Shadow looked cool, even if he wasn't. You know, Snake Eyes. These characters looked amazing. Storm Shadow was awesome. Did you have Storm Shadow? I never had him. Yeah, you did. I I went back on eBay in high school and bought the original Storm you Shadow. You did? Yeah, because I we didn't have because we had out of the ninja style characters we had yeah Snake Eyes and Firefly. Yeah, but no, but no Storm Shadow. You know what's interesting about Storm Shadow? I remember going to we had a toy store on Long Island at that time called Play World. Yep. 
And I went to Play World one day, and I probably had just enough. For, I, I imagine I just had enough for one figure. You know, we were going shopping. And it was between, I already had the original Snake Eyes. And it was between Snake Eyes, the second Snake Eyes with Timber, or Storm Shadow. And even though I love Snake Eyes so much, I got the second, the second Snake Eyes instead of Storm Shadow. Like, that was my choice that day. And for, for whatever reason, I never got Storm Shadow again. You know, I never had another opportunity to get him, which kind of sucked. That was the one character. It's like, why didn't you have Storm Shadow? You know, especially some of the other ones in my collection. I'm like, you couldn't have gotten Storm Shadow over, like, I don't know. Like, Eric Ricondo. Like, yeah. he was kind of cool, but, like, you couldn't get Storm Shadow that day? What was wrong with me? Well, what I respected out of your collection was that you had a real good eye towards balance. Because, especially... In my opinion, especially towards the late '80s, when I was when I started actually going and buying them and, and collecting them myself, and like obsessing over the back of the cards where they show you the whole wave. Of yeah, them, is that I was always inclined to buy Cobra characters. Like I I I, I think so I cool. only I think I only had balance because you had so many GI like actual good guy GI Joe characters. Yeah, I would probably like three out of four. I would say of my purchases were Cobra characters. That's interesting. Because they're just so much cooler. They you know? were, especially the era you started getting into it. Yeah, to, to buy toys when you're getting into like the the deep Viper era. Yeah, and, and uh, they were cool when there were literally twenty different Viper types a year, and I was I wanted all of them: Laser what? Viper, Frag Viper, Range Viper, Toxic Viper, Ice Viper. I mean, these were like all they cool did. ass characters. Oh my god, so funny. I love them. But back when you started collecting them, you're right. It was a lot of well. It's funny because they didn't. If you watch that documentary, and I've read about this too, where you know. Hasbro didn't really have the foresight to understand what was going to make this cool. Yeah. They just, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that like the deceased CEO of the company was like really obsessed with GI Joe. They wanted to do something to kind of honor him and bring it back. And That's they saw what was going on with Kenner. That. And there, when they, you know, the extra year that they took in between, like, you know, when they were going to launch it and when they did launch right. it, they didn't even have bad guys. Like there's a, there's a story about how like they had a meeting and they're like, who the hell are these guys fighting? Like, right. What is the, you know, are the enemies, the Soviets or, you know, and they made Cobra, and it was yeah. apparently like a. They had the artist on the show, the guy that drew the logo, which is I'm obsessed with that logo still. Like, I, I really want that tattooed. The on Cobra me. logo, yeah, I love oh, that it's logo. So cool, and uh, I really want to get that tattoo. It's a good one. Like, I still to this day. I mean, that was the thing I used to say when I was That'd a kid. Be a good tattoo, actually. Yeah, it'd be sure. awesome. It maybe a little, a little sinister, but yeah, <laughs> like a terrorist tattoo. But <laughs> that's true. Um, but they made this like ter this international terrorist organization, and I think that they wanted to make GI Joe an international force as well because. It would limit it so much to like the U.S. market, even though it was released like everywhere under different names. Yeah, you know, even in I remember when my friends went to Canada and came home with like a General Hawk in a in like a French Quebecois like package. Oh, that's interesting. Under a different name and stuff, and I was like, that's, "This is really, this is really cool." That's pretty cool. Yeah, GI Joe was called like Action Man. In, yeah, in, Action in, in, in England. The UK? I think. Yeah. yeah, and you you see them released in Brazil and India, right? And, you know, like with different maybe different coloring, different different variations. That's interesting. Yeah, that's super cool. So I I uh, appreciated your your look towards balance because there were certain GI Joe characters like good guys that I really loved. Obviously, everyone loves Duke. We, you you and I both really loved Flint. Yes, uh, who who's a great character, good character. Kind of like a lieutenant. Rock and roll was great. I liked Low Light and Tunnel Rat and a few of those guys as yeah. well that were pretty cool. Like the yeah. special uh, Low Light was like uh, we used to call him Low Life, but he was a uh, <laughs> Low Life. <laughs> He was like he would he he was like he could fight in the dark. He had like a like infrared goggles and and uh, tunnel rat was like kind of you they know, were he had both like cool. cool. Stalker was really cool. He came with like a ship and actual the actual action figure came with like a small canoe that you I could don't that, remember that uh, he had like a white outfit on with like a green beret. Oh, that's cool. he was like a black eye. Oh, I do remember him. Yeah, he was cool. And uh, roadblock like there's a, so there's a lot roadblock, of roadblock alpine. They Al were all cool. Yeah, right? ambush topside. There's a lot of uh, cool good guys. I'm not saying that there weren't, but yeah. 
the the they just did such a nice job making the Cobra characters so and the the related characters like the 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 Mars organization characters like Destro and all those guys the yeah. Grenadiers. Um, you you had already brought up the Dreadnoughts and yeah. and there were all these cool little collections and then they got super fucking shitty in the nineties like long after you start you were not is that the anymore. Neon era yeah it was like yeah. when they, when they had like the Echo Warriors oh, and like man. the drug czars and shit like that like yeah. they, they, I had a I had a guy named Kingpin who was like a drug dealer I remember that and I was like <laughs> that was the cool thing about you and me because my collecting and your collecting sort of dovetailed when I was wrapping up you were just starting up pretty much We'd give or take a, a year maybe or two. So you, so between us, you know, it was like almost like a complete, you know, lineage almost, which is kind of neat. It's awesome. I mean, I remember very specific purchases. You bought me, I think you bought me my first, my own first GI Joe, which was Lamprey. Okay, I don't know if you, I don't know, and, and Lamprey was a that. Lamprey was a Cobra officer uh, or a Cobra Viper type character. He was orange and blue, and he had like almost what looked like a life vest on. And you bought that. me the. You bought me the one where with the electronic backpack. I remember that. It was like a really heavy backpack. They couldn't stand with them. I don't know what they were thinking making these things. <laughs> but there were these backpacks with chips in them, and they had like four buttons on them. You press them, and it would make like machine gun noise or Sounds. like. And I had like a bats character that did the same thing I with like him too, which was you know the robotic characters of like bats attack. And like you press it on the back, and you know there was. And, and then you bought me. Uh, I mean, I, I remember this stuff really well. You bought me uh, Range Viper and Frag Viper. Yeah, Range Viper was like uh, just a dude with like a machine gun. He was like a he looked like almost like a skeleton. Frag Viper was cool because he came with this almost uh, what is that what is that sport called? Highlight, where with the hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Highlight, um, yeah. And uh, which is like a kind of a northeast sport. Oh thing yeah, anyway. it did have a thing. And like he had and it was like a grenade launcher, but like he would throw the grenades. <laughs> like he had this hook and, and it came with little grenades that strapped onto his back. I remember and that. like wires that attached to his back to his body. And that was the kind of the they cool. Were cool then. It was not only the way you could articulate the the the, the figures that was cool. It was like the it was. There was a lot to it yeah. in terms of the weapons and the. And I wish that I was just a little older and a little more mindful of that because I lost so much of that shit. All yeah. the wires, like I don't even know what. The, you know, there's a. I want. I wrote it down because I wanted to make sure to bring it up that there's a really great website called YoJo.com. Great site. If you are into GI Joe at all or were yeah. into GI Joe at all and want to get real nostalgic and shit, go to YoJo and just get lost for hours. Yeah. You can you can separate it by line and year and and affiliation and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So you can go to like 1984. You want to see Blowtorch, you know, the original Blowtorch in his red and yellow with his mask and stuff like that. You can go. They have, like, these high-res pictures of all the pieces that he came with and the high-res picture of, the, of of him from all angles, him all geared up. Yeah. His, his file card, him mint on card. And, That's cool. And information about, like, you know, transcriptions of all, like... Of his, of his file card, when he appeared in the cartoon, yep. when he if he appeared in the movies. Yep, yep. Variations from around the world or production variations if they change colors. That's if amazing. What, what pieces of his body were used in other and bo- other GI Joes or in, if they were unique or the other molds built that. It's fantastic. It's like a really insane OCD website for people like us. They really break it down. Yeah. And it's a, it's really so awesome. And I go back and I look at some of them. Like I was looking at Cobra Eel, which is a character you had, and I, I loved. That was from like the 1985 run. It was the it was like the fish man. Like the, I remember him. He One was like in gray. Yeah, and he came with like flippers and a mask yeah. and all these wires and and like a torpedo gun or something. Yeah, and, like a yeah exactly yeah or a harpoon gun. A and harpoon like, gun. Yeah, and uh, it's so it's just like oh I remember this. He was great. He was one of my favorites actually. Yeah. yeah so. So yeah, just as an aside, yojo.com is a really great resource. And that site has existed since I was in like high school. Yeah. So it, it's just absolutely awesome. It really is. It's put together with great and very meticulous passion. And it's the one place, you know, we were talking about it on our retro video game collection thing and uh, you know, episode in which you like to do. Yeah. And you're obviously a retro collector and I'm not. 
mm-hmm. uh, so much a retro collector at all anymore. And I've, given, and I've given you most of my retro stuff. The G, and as I said on that episode, I think, and as I've said before, G.I. Joe is one of those things where I am going to go back and do it. It's going like, it, to be awesome. That's going to be so cool. And as I said, like Mint on Card, like, uh, like when I was, I was only half kidding. Like I'll fucking find Tommy and his parents and I'll be like, what do you guys still have? Seriously. If you have all of this shit, we should really talk about how much you sell it to do. me for. I hope you know? they do, because even if they just had the toy, he, I mean, he, even without the keeping, I wonder if they did the same thing with the vehicles, but they definitely did it with action, with the, with the figures of all the toys, not just, not just GI Joe. Like I said, I think they even did, did with Transformers, which is friggin' crazy, you know? Yeah, that would be even if he didn't have the stuff in the package, just the stuff he had literally every, yeah, item, I mean, every must item. Be, that must be so cool, man. It was like, neat. So I. That website encourages me and kind of inspires me, as as I'm sure many websites with various you know goods and 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 collectibles inspire different people. For me to be like, wow, this is so. And what's so cool about it is they have ways to figure out who you have. So if you're a G, an old GI Joe head and you don't really remember the name of it, or you have a weapon or something, you can literally go in and it's like, what's the date on it? Or what what color is the gun? All right, here are all the guns that are that color. What kind of gun is it? It's, it's a pistol. Here are all the black pistols. All right, yeah. what you know and then like you can get it down and then they'll tell you like okay so after you've answered seven questions this pistol came with barbecue right in 1985 right or this backpack was part of one of those random i don't know if you remember like the carded it was just weapons and 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 weapons and backpacks like you could just buy these carded yes weapon and backpack yeah accessory packs yeah exactly yeah so like this never even came with a figure. This was like something that was supposed to be with someone, and we just threw it in this thing. That's that. so neat. Yeah, these people really know their shit. I yeah, mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It's awesome. It's like it's awe inspiring in a way. It really is. So, talk to me. Let's re- let's rewind a little bit and talk to me about before we get into you and I and kind of our connection with GI Joe more yeah. intimately. Yeah. How would you play with them? Because it was actually the way that I think you played with them that was instrumental in how I played with toys, how I played with action figures. Because there's nothing super organic about, for me, as a kid, of being like, take your Batman, you know, I had Terminator figures and Batman figures, whatever it might be, and you just somebody, like crack, clack them right, together, clack and, them together. <laughs> and, you know, like they're running. You know, I, I didn't really play like that. Right. And, the, you know, I, I played video games and I played with Legos and blocks and build right, things. Right, right. But in terms of like this more kinetic, like action filled shit, like where it's like, I, you know, I, I collected G.I. Joe's, but I really almost collected them to just look at them. Right. Even at a very young age, like they were just, I was like, oh, I, you know, it's cool. I want to mold him and put him in a stance. Exactly. And so how did you play with them? Which with- I think is typical. You know what? So me, it goes back to me and Tommy. We have a big, a bigger group of friends that collected toys. Don't get us wrong. But me and Tommy were the ones that were hardcore enough to literally spend a Saturday inside playing out an episode an episode in quotes of this thing so this is what we this is how we did it and i could tell you what this was fueled by now keep in mind of course tommy had everything he had all the vehicles and all the figures as they came out so very rarely would we play at my house and very rarely would i need to bring anything over because he had everything including all the stuff i might have had there might have been an odd thing in there that for some reason i had an an odd figure or vehicle or two Usually not that he didn't have that I would bring over, but usually we play at his house. And this is how we did it. There was a the 1984, people will remember, the 1984 miniseries, The Revenge of Cobra. For whatever reason, this was the animated content that we were most clinging to. So in this story, I don't know if you remember, was in the Revenge of Cobra miniseries, which we had ta- which P.S. I had taped off television. I taped all the episodes off television, but this was the one I loved that we loved the most. I think it's a five-part miniseries, and the story arc is 
it opens with Cobra stealing this power core, this laser from a GI, like a GI Joe envoy. They steal this piece. Well, it turns out that Destro is designing this weapon called the Weather Dominator. Do you remember this? Yeah, of course. Yes. And they need this last piece for it. So the first episode, they capture, they get this piece, they assemble this Weather Dominator. Somewhere in, in somewhere in there, Duke and Snake Eyes get captured. But really, the meat of this thing was now Cobra has this weapon. That's going to that they could point and shoot and control the weather anywhere on the planet. May, basically make a catastrophe, right? G.I. Joe then destroys this thing and it splits into three pieces and the three pieces scatter to different parts of the planet. And now it's a race between Cobra and G.I. Joe to gather these three pieces. G.I. Joe is trying to get them out of Cobra's hands. Cobra's trying to reattain these pieces. We that was it. We, we were just like, what? This is the best story ever. And you know what? The miniseries, too, that particular miniseries, I don't remember the 1983 miniseries, which I think is something different. But this Revenge of Cobra miniseries, which I think they might have later spun it into a movie format. But like I said, we had taped it off. Of t- I had taped it off a of television, and we were watching it on a VHS, a shitty VHS, with the commercials and everything. I wish I still had these, you know? Because we weren't sophisticated enough to pause during the commercials. Thank God, right? Because we, now we have those. They're laying around somewhere. I'm sure Dad has it somewhere. That would be awesome. Unless who knows how many times it got taped over. You I, know mean, I mean, God bless the people that upload all these old commercials and shit. I know. Too. It's so nice to have this stuff. And so so that was usually what we did. So we played the... what We call, we didn't call it the Revenge of Cobra. We called it the Weather Dominator. So this is what we did. We went to Tommy's house Saturday morning. We went to school all week. We couldn't really do this during the week. Because this was an all-day affair. I'm not... I mean, this was an eight-hour affair, for real, for real. It's your full-time job. I mean, we just picking the figures took hours, so this is what we did. Tommy had everything, so we laid it all out. The vehicles were over here, laid it all out meticulously, laid out all the weapons meticulously, and laid out all the figures, G.I. Joe and Cobra, separated meticulously. Now we picked them like gym class, one by one. Okay, you know, I remember Tommy's favorite was Gung Ho, so Gung Ho was always going first to him. And my favorite was Joe was probably who like airtight or something. Yeah, airtight rules. So airtight, I took for. So we it was always and it was always the same thing. You know what I mean? And he would take some GI Joes and Cobra. We weren't GI Joe versus Cobra. We 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 were both. We both took both. Okay. Now we formed our sides, but you know he had the hiss, and I had the rattler. You know, so we I had my Cobras and he had his Cobras. He had his Joes. I had my Joes, and then. I'm telling you, Kyle, it took two hours to pick this stuff all right. And then we had the Cannon Father guys, which were mostly adventure people and dollar store figures. Adventure people, maybe some Buck Rogers scattered in there. And, of course, the G.I. Joes that we really despised, like Shipwreck. <laughs> Cutter was in there. I don't know who else could have been. I'm trying to think of who else. I think Quick Kick. Yeah. I wasn't really into Quick Kicks. Spirit, which maybe yeah. was a little unfair to Spirit. Spirit in retrospect, Spirit's kind of cool. Spirit <laughs> the was old Indian man with the eagle. You know, really <laughs> he was definitely, and we might have been like, "Oh, Freedom's kind of cool," but Spirit, you're going out yeah. like early, you know. <laughs> um, so we, and then we had that. So we picked that. So by the time we were into this thing, let's say we started after breakfast, it was already one o'clock in the afternoon. It took us hours, right? <laughs> and then it was like, okay. Weather domi- Here's the weather dominator, which I I I I if I'm remembering this correctly, we made the weather dominator out of the Death Star toy, the cannon that was on top of the Death Star toy, and two other things, whatever they were. Here goes the cannon. Here goes the other two pieces. Now we put like the cannon in his sister's bedroom, 
one part down in the dining room and like one part down in his finished basement. So like this is all not only was this an all day affair, this is all over 2,500 square foot house or whatever it was. <laughs> this was everywhere. We didn't take him outside. We didn't take him outside. We weren't the type. We were we were the persnickety types that were like, you're blowing up your toys with firecrackers. Like we didn't even want to put it in a house plant. Like right, that's right. how we were. We were very particular, you know. We frowned at the kids, like destroying their figure, taking their figures outside, like, <gasps> like you know, <gasps> that's unheard of. You're gonna get that dirty, you know. It was just kind of funny for a ten year old, yeah. right? And Tommy, really, Tommy was Dana's age, so Tommy was a, a year younger than me. So then we play out this whole thing about, you know, here's GI Joe is assembling their forces to get to the pieces, and we had this thing where, and you will remember because I, I think I taught this to you, like. We had this thing where the two characters would fire at each other and we took our fingers like the bullet and he Tommy would be holding a good guy, be holding a bad guy, and we took our finger like the bullet and it had to go towards the guy. And sometimes they would dodge it and sometimes they wouldn't. And it was crazy because we never once got into an argument over no that hit or no that didn't hit. It was always just like a balance like some if, it, if we felt like we we're missing too much then the next three people got killed right right and that it was weird but that's how we did it that's like completely how we did it and literally i'm not even exaggerating like we would do this until it got dark outside we were so realistic about it like if the hiss had to travel if cobra was in a convoy and they had to travel from tommy's room to his sister's bedroom three rooms away we did it on the floor at like scale true to speed <laughs> Like, if it was going too fast, like, no, they couldn't go that fast. You know what I mean? It was, like, really, a, it was really crazy. It was In retrospect, it was nuts. I mean, this is how we spent our time, you know? And the dialogue and what they would say and, like, we, you know, it was, like, kind of 50% based on the episode and then 50% embellished because we wanted to make things more, even more interesting. And staying true to character, like, Snake Eyes wouldn't talk. Like, of course, Snake Eyes wouldn't talk. Like, we never, you know, Duke was the, Duke acted a certain way lady j acted a certain way storm shadow was acted a certain way like it was net we never went outside the realm of what could be in a larry hama comic right you right. know and that that was how we did it and that's and you know we did that with star wars and we did that with transformers i never played he-man like i said but and maybe a couple other things like later on late in our toy career like mask but we never did it like we did it with gi joe that was a, that was really the golden age of us playing like that you know and i have such fond memories of it because it was so i'm really i'm really really tommy went on to be a a cop actually and i'm really surprised that he didn't go into a creative endeavor because he really had that he was really like he was such a hype beast when it came to like toys and media and cartoons and animation and he was a really big disney guy so that always kind of shocked me. Yeah, he was a nerd, like a, he was a he was an OG nerd. I and mean, as we've as we've made clear dur- throughout the run of the show so far, that that just wasn't common and even ex- socially acceptable. Yeah. So it's really it is surprising that that yeah that he didn't go into you know it is he he really had that I feel like he really had that woven in him. What I'm more curious about with him now is if he's yeah. still a nerd though, like if he's still. Last uh, time I saw, to- unfortunately, I haven't seen him. I probably saw him about the last time I got married. So now we're talking about. 
By the way, you made it seem like that was the last time you got married. You've gotten married once. You were saying that you saw him the, the last, last time, time I got married. You saw him the last time I don't know, have I when you got married. Yeah, yeah. There you go. yeah. So 16 Just years ago-ish, 15 years ago, I haven't seen him in quite a while. And I saw him on the island. We had dinner. He was such a he was such a big part of my nerdum and my passion because he, I had other friend. My friend John, I was even probably fat. That was really my best friend. But he and John was awesome and is awesome. But I didn't have we share Tommy and I shared that same, you know, fierce nerdum. You know what I mean? That really was like we really that was what we were all about. You know, we could he was really the only guy I could do that with, you know, of all my friends. You know, my other friends were into all this stuff, but not like we were into not like we were into it. You know, we were really like he's such a big part of that for me. You know, I it's so funny. I wish it's so I don't and I don't think to, kids play with toys like that anymore. You know, I hope they do. And I know Lego changes a lot of it because that adds a whole nother construct, no pun intended, but, you know, of building and playing with something, which is neat, you know. But to really be down and dirty with things like that and spend eight hours playing something like that, I mean, that was just, that was huge, you know. It's really cool uh, to hear those stories. I, I feel like when you and I would play, and the way I would play, therefore, with my f- other friends, Eric, yeah. Tim, whoever I was playing G.I. Joe's with, I remember us collecting or kind of splitting things up in a similar way. And then uh, we would hide them. Oh, yeah, I rem- I don't know why I forgot this. Yes, that's right. Do you remember that? So like, Yes. So the- <laughs> this is a weird... I don't know that anyone was playing their- with their G.I. Joe's like this. This is really interesting. Because it really has nothing to do with the action. It could have literally been pieces of crumpled up paper that we were hit it really didn't matter that we were hiding like who was being hidden where that's interesting and wait now let me go back for one second not to interrupt okay. you did yeah, no. we did we do the gym class style picking yes we did do yeah, that yeah, we did that for we sure. started with that yeah and that took a while yeah and then we would each like i would go first you would go first and we, okay. would, we would relegate it to like we're gonna play in, in the old big house like we're gonna play in the den or we're gonna play in the living room whatever if dad wasn't home we, we can get away with that yeah and then I would leave and you would hide your figures. I remember. And then I you would leave I and this. I would hide mine. Yes. Sometimes you would encounter a character that was hidden in While the same spot. While you were spot. hiding, yeah. And then we would take turns somehow. I don't remember quite <laughs> the rules where it would, you would, we, I'd like look behind something and try to find it. That was my turn. Okay. And then you would go look behind something and you would, and then, and Dude. then it was, that's how we played. And then there was like some sort of conflict. I am so, between I don't two know figures. how I forgot this. And, and what's funny that you forgot about that is that, cause that was the culmination of the joke that we still use today, which yes. is you would always win. You would always win because you were just smarter or older. Now, how did we do, remind me, how did we do the, how did we take each other? Right? We, we I were, think if you found a character, it was dead. Like you, you killed the character, you know? Did like, we divide it? Like you're going to be Cobra and I'm going to be G.I. Joe? No, no, no. It was just, it was the same thing. It was a, a totally agnostic thing. Okay. Okay. And it's the funny because we still bring up the joke before of like how I would refuse to lose. Yes. Or like, like, this so is I, the best part. So I would like. I would be out of figures. You have like seven remember. left or whatever. Yeah. And, but I'd have like a Mickey Mouse doll like nearby and I'd be like, yeah. but. The you Mickey for- Mouse doll. You, you know, forgot like, about the Mickey Mouse. Oh, like you forgot about the lamp. <laughs> you know, like turn the lamp on or whatever. Like it was like it was literally like I was like seven years old, like being a moron. It was so fun though. It was such a part of it. Yeah, you would just figure out like, oh, they built, but here comes the Mickey Mouse doll, like, <laughs> <laughs> like this final boss. No or- way. And uh, so it was funny because I didn't, um, you know, especially because you had to buy. They used to come with them late, late in the run, but. I'd go buy the uh, the plastic stands that you would pop yeah, their feet sure, into. Sure, yeah. So that they would stand up. You could buy them like 10 at a time or whatever for like, I don't know, it was $2. Yeah, a set of those, yeah. I like to just set them up and like 
even with Star Wars figures, because when I, I honestly when I was collecting, I started collecting Star Wars figures when I was in fifth or sixth grade, which is kind of late to be, especially in the '90s, to be playing with toys or whatever. Fifth or sixth grade, yes. Yeah, so you were late, late but I late '80s. But I never really played with them. Oh, that fifth was or the sixth thing. grade, not five or six years old. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, sorry. And uh, I was I was not. You know, because I have every Star Wars figure from 95 to 2002, every one of them. Yeah, you do have them. Like, there's nothing missing. Nothing missing from that collection, as I discussed in another episode. And we should do a Star Wars toy uh, video. uh, Yeah, definitely. That would be a great episode. Because we could probably even do two of them. We could probably do one about the Power of the Force collection and then the one about, you know, the newer ones. But the, the, uh, or actually, that's inverse. But yeah, uh, I didn't play with my Star Wars toys. I would just collect them. And then look at them and put them on a shelf somewhere. I think it's typical. I like to just collect them and have them all. And yeah. G.I. Joe was a similar thing. I just didn't have the money or the means or the knowledge to know what was coming out because the cool thing that was the cool thing that kind of came about when Star Wars came back in 95 in terms of toy line was which which happened at a perfect time because G.I. Joe ended in 94, which brought me into deep depression. Yeah. And uh, I was like, really, I was aware that G.I. Joe was over. Right. In 94, like they, they canceled the show a couple of years before that. G.I. Joe Extreme came out the next year, which fucking sucks. I remember that, but I don't remember G.I. Joe Extreme sucks. Was that bad? Oh, they were like these I big art school, 90s buff macho, uh, almost like Marvel character looking yeah, yeah, that's toys. Yeah, They just, I fucking Trying hated that shit. and failing, basically. And uh, so Star Wars came out at a perfect time where I was like, all right, this is like kind of the new thing I'm going to be doing. And I got really into it. And I had the more of the money and the means. And, and it came out around the time that we had the internet, 95, 96, when we actually were on the internet. So sure. you could go to Hasbro's like really primitive website and they'd have like all the waves written in like when they were releasing. And I used to, I used to call Walmart and KB and Toys R Us like every day. I appreciate that. Like I, I literally would call, I, I had like a rapport with these people. Yeah. Yeah. They probably hated me. <laughs> But I'd be like, can you go look and see like what the the UPC is on the boxes? Wow. Of, can you tell me if the star if the the box of figures the because they're like we can't open these boxes until you know Tuesday. Oh. And I'm like, can you just tell me if this number is on the side of the box? And then oh, I would wow. know that that number had you know two Landos and a Stormtrooper and a Leia. And I would you know they'd be like, all right, Tuesday, all right, and then go and go get the figures. That's over. pretty great when it opened or whenever so i was like super nerdy about that wow shit. that's cool i admire that i would have been like that with gi joe if that was possible right but i wasn't old enough the internet didn't exist in this and the line got canceled oh, so see i like that that's kind of cool see i didn't have a, an experience like that because of uh i was out of it but it was vicarious living in a way because i was collecting star star wars was almost not my love of star wars but my love of star wars figures and toys was almost like uh filling this hole that i had in me that that gi G. joe getting canceled left because it's hard for me to tell someone and hard for me to explain how much I loved G.I. Joe. Yeah. It, I wasn't similar to you in the sense that you were collecting. You had a Star Wars collection and all that. But you were talking about how you had, you know, Mask and Transformers. Yeah. And I only collected G.I. Joe. Yeah. I had Turtles. Turtles was a big Because that was you. more manageable. Yeah. There weren't that many of them. I forgot about Turtles. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. I had, but and I didn't like go crazy with that. I had all four Turtles. I had Shredder. Like April, yeah, a few Bebop things. and Rocksteady, and that was like all that was easy enough to get my hand, you know, Krang and shit like that. Yeah, there wasn't like you know, <laughs> there wasn't five iterations of uh, Frag Viper in five years that you had to go buy, right? Uh, so or Luke in you know, Luke in Tatooine gear, Luke in X Wing outfit, Luke in Hoth outfit, Luke right. in black robes going to the Return of the, you know, in Return of the Jedi, exactly. Luke fighting Vader, Luke, like, so it was it was more manageable. But other than that, I didn't collect anything, right? Which is cool because I freed you up for, but yeah, but that's what broke your heart though. Right. And then I, so I had like that one focus and then I, I went into Star Wars, but yeah, it was when GI Joe was canceled, I was devastated. Yeah. I was, and I was, I kind of knew that something was wrong 
with GI Joe's like in 92, 93, 94. In fact, our first time to California, when we went to visit Uncle Mike in California, I remember that trip. I bought this character, Flak Viper, who was this, he almost looked like a fighter pilot and he had like this huge backpack with these gigantic missiles coming I out of him. I remember that. I remember him. And I was like, what? I remember even buying him and being like, this doesn't, he doesn't stand up with his backpack on. It's right. impossible to make right. him stand up. I don't know what you're thinking with this kind of stuff. It felt gimmicky. Yeah. And like, and I was like, it was just two or three years ago that you did something similar with Metalhead, who's one of my favorite G.I. Joes. Yeah. He's a Cobra guy who was like the doofus Cobra guy with the goggles. And he had like, he had missile launchers on his legs, on his arms, on his back. Do you remember this guy? And like, he held them and it was so cool. I do remember him. He came with like all of these yellow missile launchers. Yeah. Or they were gray missile launchers with yellow missiles. Which is cool. And I was like, and he stood up and he looked really cool. Yeah. And I'm like, it wasn't that long ago that you tried to do something like this and it actually worked. So even as like an eight or nine or 10 year old, I was like, something's just a fine line. Something's not right here. Yeah. It feels absurd. And so I was like kind of devastated about it. But I want to backtrack really quick to ask you about your memories of the movie, the 1987 movie, which I think is truly phenomenal. And. It's bad, you know, like in many it, ways, Cobra yeah. La and uh, Serpentor and Globulus and all of these, you know, Nemesis right. Enforcer, who I always, I always, I have Nemesis Enforcer. I went on eBay and bought him in, in high school, who was like the big wing dude. I have Globulus. I bought him. I bought Serpentor. Right. These were characters that we didn't have growing up for some reason. And that movie has been imprinted in me as like one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Did you see it in the theater? No, I didn't see it in the theater. And it's funny. Did that come out in 87? I think it was 87, so it was right after. So the story goes that, you know, they were, the Transform- Transformers was really big at this time, and they released the Transformers movie in theaters. Yeah. And Optimus Prime dies in it, and they... Everybody dies in it. And they there was apparently this outrage. Oh, it was, it was, it was the weirdest thing ever. So one of the famous things in the G.I. Joe movie is that Duke dies in it. Duke's uh, the leader of the G.I. Joes. The yeah. Joes. He's really not actually. General Hawk's the leader, but Duke is like the, the is. I mean, that's like the nerdiest thing I ever. But they said. don't kill him. They they were going to kill him, but then when the backlash from Optimus right. Prime, then they said we're going to put him in a coma. Is right. That, yeah. Yeah. So excuse my nerd them about really pointing out that Hawk's a general, but that <laughs> that uh, I read something where they were saying like you know it's the same exact thing that they wrote and made when they animated it and yeah. made it. They yeah. Duke was supposed to die. Yes. Duke gets Duke gets stabbed by Serpentor like right through the heart yeah and there's blood yeah and he's supposed to die it's it's a it's breathtaking because we never see anything like and that. apparently because of the outrage like at the very last minute in post they changed the VO and cut out a scene that was Duke's funeral and they changed the VO where it's like it's supposed to be like Duke's Duke's dead yeah you know and it's like and it's like literally a gap in it I think to where it's like Duke's in a coma <laughs> That is exactly supposedly yeah. what happened. Yeah, it, it, that's apparently that's yeah. apparently the story. They so, had a huge backlash. Do you, what's your memory of that? Because that seemed to be, from what I can read anecdotally, is a somewhat of a point of revitalization with the series for a little while. Yeah, where the series actually became more popular than ever in like 87, 88, 89. That's yeah. that's considered like I don't know for you because you're older at that point. You're like in high school. But for me, that's like the golden era of like the best toys. That's when like the Iron Grenadiers came out. That's when they really fleshed out like the Mars Corporation with. Uh, with Destro. Yeah. And like really, you know, people don't realize Destro is like not even part of Cobra and not even part of the Cobra organization. At yeah. All. He no. sells them their weapons. Yeah. So like they, they like flesh all that stuff out and he has his own army. I remember the that. bats and everything. I, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The bats. So what are your memories of, uh, of that's of that? interesting. Well, you know, if, you know, what's funny about that? No, knowing that it came out in 87 and I'm not sure if it came Did that. Do you know when it came out in 87? No, I which can't, is, I can't which is it neither here nor there. Cause I don't know when I would have seen it anyway, because I definitely did not see that in the theater. I did see Transformers, the movie, in the theater. That came out in 86, I believe. And I was already not playing with toys at that point, which really, not only Transformers, the movie, but this movie, the G.I. Joe movie of, of 87, that speaks to my nerdum because I was definitely not, fully not playing with toys at this point and still 
kind of sneak into the movies and seeing this stuff. Like, I didn't want to let it go type of thing. And that, in fact, in 87 was when I started skateboarding. So there's definitely a delineated time frame here for me. But I definitely saw this G.I. Joe movie close to when it came out. And what resonated with me was, of course, like the level of animation. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Toei in Japan animated a lot of this movie. And the the difference in quality, I mean, of course, because it was feature quality. I mean, feature quality compared to the TV show. That stood out to me. You know, things things had like, things were color matted with highlights and shadows and stuff like that. You didn't see that in the cartoon. They, they didn't have the budget for cell painting in that era for Sunbow to do that. You know, so I remember that being very striking, the art style and the quality of the art and the quality of the animation being superior. And I remember that's also the movie. I know I haven't seen this in a, in a long time. I don't want to speak at a turn. I want I want to go see it again. I want I actually want to see this again. But that's the whole bit with Roadblock and and Cobra Commander getting trapped together. Right. And yeah. Cobra, yeah. And, like, and that's when you see like Cobra Cobra's like a, a real unhooded. St- yeah. 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 OK. And I remember very clearly the Duke scene. That's what really struck me the most was actually two things of my my rabid nerddom not being able to let myself not see that movie. You know, I had to see it. Yeah, I was still into it. I was still on the outs of all that stuff. And just how beautiful it looked compared to the TV show. And the content, which seemed very sophisticated and much more adult than the than the show. And that is funny about the hasbro bit about the transformers the movie because that was very striking to me when i saw that in the theater i wasn't really playing with toys too much anymore and seeing all your heroes die you know my first the in transformers the movie not to switch gears too much but in transformers the movie my first two transformers brawn and prowl are the first two to die in that movie and it was like you never saw that in an episode of transformers now all of a sudden these characters are dying and i don't know how much well you remember that movie but Prowl, Brawn, Rat, uh, Ironhide, all these characters are killed in like the first in this one scene. And then Optimus flies in and kills a bunch of the Decepticons, Soundwave, Skywarp, all these guys, right? And, you know, the whole bit with Megatron and Ironhide grabbing his leg and such heroic nonsense and blowing him away. Like, this is like the second in command of the Autobots get it, you know? So that was always a heavy thing. And I know supposedly Hasbro got a really bad backlash from that because kids were upset. I mean, I was already 13 years old or however old I was, 13, I guess. Can you? I can't even imagine being six and going to see that and being like, what? What's going on? Like, everybody's, you know, so that's the, I think that's why they changed the Duke. I wonder thing. how they retconned it all. You know? Too. So that was my, those are my memories of that. And it's funny too, I want to talk about that too, your golden age, because my golden age of the toys is different than yours, obviously, because we have a different generational perspective on that. So, you know, my my golden age of the toys is different than yours as far as like what was resonated the most and what I remember the best, you know. So, yeah, and I don't know. And was actually that movie, was that the introduction of Serpentor in the animated content? I think so. I think that's when you saw Serpentor, Galobulus, and Nemesis Enforcer Nemesis for the first Enforcer time. Nemesis Enforcer and Dr. Mindbender. As well, was Doctor Mindbender? Mindbender, I think, is in the Sunbow is in the Sunbow run. Oh, he is. Okay. I think so. Okay, that's a good that's a good point. I don't know. Mindbender and Blood and all those guys, I he think was one already of my exist. Major Tomax players. and Zamot, all those guys, I think already exist. I was reading a thing where Tomax and Zamot were supposed to be at the front end of like the third season of the Sumbo run, and they got can't like when they got it okay. taken away from them. So there was a whole, this whole angle that was going to go with some of these more secondary or tertiary 
Cobra characters. Yeah. But I think everyone involved with Cobra Law was obviously <laughs> saying that so nonchalantly. Do it. Do uh, it. Cobra Law. <laughs> uh, but uh, everyone involved with Cobra Law, I think, was involved was in- introduced into the, into the movie the first time. Okay. And then I think, but I don't think there was any like Cobra characters, like Cobra proper, like human Cobra characters that were introduced in the movie. Okay. And then on the other end of it when they started the new run. Because I, I wrote down here, let me see. The run from 83 to 86 was mm-hmm. 95 episodes. That was Sunbow. Okay. And then 87 was the movie. And then 89 to 92 was 44 more episodes from Deke. Deke. There were 95 episodes of the Sunbow run. So the, the actually the run that I was that was contemporary to me was actually way shorter. How many Deke episodes were there? 44. Okay. I have friends that work, came, came into their careers working on that. This really? Is, yeah. That's my, fucking Yeah. Cool. My producer at Sesame Workshop, Jack, that's where he made his start. Dude, you have to ask him if he has like anything... Yeah, I wonder the, if he does. I will ask. I would. I would that. totally buy some of that shit. Yeah, it came out right right out of UCLA and went right on to that. Like I would buy almost anything. I that. wonder. I wonder if he does have any the cells you're talking about and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. cells or, or concept art or scripts. Or, yeah, that would be cool. That, yeah, any of that stuff would be cool. You're right about that. My God, dude. I mean, I, I'm pretty. You know, I, I I I do all right for myself, and I'm pretty stingy with my money. Like I don't like to buy things. I don't like to collect things. But like that's one of those exceptions. Yeah, it's like I always say. Like, if the Jets ever make the Super Bowl, I'm like, I'll pay ten thousand dollars to go. Like yeah. straight, like straight up. One of those things. Yeah, yeah. Like straight, like yeah. I'm not gonna go. I'd rather eat chicken nuggets out of a, ty- a, a Tyson bag out of my freezer than go buy them from McDonald's. But if the fucking Jets make the Super Bowl, I'll pay ten. There you go. The other thing I want to say that I would be remiss to ignore before we kind of you know ease out of this and 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 you know clean up. Yeah. It are the G.I. Joe games. And you and I were talking about yeah, these. Now, yeah. there were G.I. Joe games in the early to mid '80s that I didn't play on, like C64 and stuff like that. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. We didn't have access to that. Mostly because Commodore was very European, but also because we just weren't... We didn't play on computers. You know, I think there was an Atari 2600 game as well. There was. Mistaken. Okay, I never played that either. But the games I played, and that you and I'm, you're going to be surprised by one of these, because we were, we were talking on the underrated video games episode of Knockback about... Um, or underrated NES games. Yeah. About Taxin, which was a publisher, and... Who made the G.I. Joe games? Y- yeah. That there were two of them, and you weren't familiar with them. I remember no, playing them, but we didn't these. own them. And so I looked it up. G.I. Joe, the first one was called G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, 1991. Taxin published it. And a, and a studio called Kindle Image, Imagine Develop, okay. which is a Japanese, they're called KID. Japanese okay. uh, studio made the, the game and also made G.I. Joe, The Atlantis Factor, Atlantis which Factor. came out in 1992, published by Capcom. Oh. Which I, when I saw that, I'm like, that's surprising me that I don't remember that or know that. I don't remember that either. So now I do. And now all of you know that as well. Did you watch any gameplay footage? A little oh, bit. You remember? You I, played, I remember the games played. very well. Like, the, like they were saying, like the 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 second one particularly was kind of like Bionic Commando in the sense that you like had a map and like had to go clear shit out. Oh and, wow! And then you would unlock different Joes. I think you played Hawk in the beginning, and that then you unlocked good. like you know whoever the fuck was in it, Duke, Flint, whatever, Snake Eyes, Scarlet, probably all the main. Yeah, exactly. So those games were pretty cool and cool com- like compliments to the toy run. Yeah, but especially the second one, the Atlantis Factor came a little late. That was when GI Joe was starting to fall apart a little bit. Ninety two, ninety three. And the other cool thing that people can go look up on yojo.com, and I think you would appreciate this as well, is yeah. all, are all the concepts, the molds, and the first run of the canceled figures from the 95 line that never oh, got wow. released. Oh, cool. I would and, love to see that. Yeah, and those are apparently, like, people have them in their collections, and that's that would be really, oh, wow. that would be, like, really wild. Holy cow. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I think, you know, to begin to close, I think that there's just something really special about G.I. Joe. It's funny because I don't have this inclination towards firearms. I like shooting guns. Yeah. I don't own a gun. I, I, I'm happy to one day, but I, I like to, you know, blow shit up and go, to, you know, in the Nevada desert or whatever, you know, when people go shoot, you know, machine guns and stuff. That's fun. And, and it's part of our culture. 
to, to appreciate those things. But we didn't, you know, our dad was in the Air Force, but we didn't really have a military upbringing. We didn't no. have, we weren't brought up around guns or in rural or hunting locations. We didn't fish or do anything. You were in Boy Scouts. But what I'm saying, I guess, is that there's no real, real world tether or connection to the love of this military band. Yeah. That, you know, as Larry Hama often explains with the G.I. Joe comic books, particularly that, and the comics being very different from the cartoons. Yeah. That they were really serious about researching and making it realistic and gritty, and like he was in the military during Vietnam, and yeah, so there was he a was lot a of that. Yeah, there was a lot of like really interesting stuff from that from that perspective of a groundedness that I think kind of went over my head and maybe went over your head. Yeah, I can't really identify what it is about GI Joe that that tethers me to it. Similarly to how I love a lot of different video games, but there's something about Mega Man, and there's specifically something about the Robot Masters, the bad guys. That I absolutely love. Yeah. Me love. Too. Yeah. And I just. I agree with you on that. I just sure. like I've said before, if they released beautiful $50 versions of every robot master, like these beautiful figures. Oh, yeah. I would buy every fucking one of them <laughs> from one, two, three, four, five, six. All of them. And nine and ten. I would skip seven and eight. Who, that would be who, who cool. Gives, who gives a that shit? That really would be cool. <laughs> you know, so who gives a shit about spring man? But clown man. Clown. I mean, I. I I can't imagine anyone caring about Clown Man. <laughs> Although Mega Man 8 does have, you know, Grenade Man. There's some cool ones in there. Yeah, Grenade Man is cool. You're right. He's like a grenade, like literally a grenade. He's actually Just cool. like Heat Man's a lighter, which is the best, um, which I didn't realize until I was like, you know, One 15. of my favorites. Yeah, he's a Zippo. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So it's it's a similar thing where I they still release G.I. Joe's. G.I. Joe's still exist. I don't really have room for them, but I just know. Yeah. I just know that as long as I keep doing well for myself and have, you know, money in the bank and can you know continue to live and once i have more space that it's going to be game on <laughs> you know i just i just know i, I just know that. i know that i'm going to go on and find on ebay find a lot of 200 random figures half right. of them are going to be broken right right and i'm just going to begin from there and I, start you know some you know replacing the rings and finding all the weapons and i know i'm just going to fall down this fucking rabbit hole be such a fun i know it's going to do i know it's going to happen and it'll do probably it. happen you know gi joe came back in 97 it's never gone away since then really right and in the, these limited runs some of them were like mail order runs some of them were like only at toys r us some of them can only be found at comic con and stuff yeah. like that but they they've pretty continuously released them and if you look at the newer gi joes they actually are totally unappealing yeah, I haven't they really look way too much. weird. It's like Uncanny Valley. Do they? Oh, oh, that's weird. Yeah, they're trying to go too crazy with it, like in that direction. But for the three and three fourth inch proper ones, without like a million points of articulation and stuff like that, like it's just yeah. I don't know, man. I'm drawn to it. I'm drawn to it. It really had that pull. I think it was a combination of the design and a combination of you know the personality. They they gave the characters personalities, not just in the comic book but in the cartoon series. You know, they were really. You know, they not only did they have their strengths and what they were adept at, and they played it out that way, which I think is appealing. But they had their personalities, the good guys and the bad guys. I think it it was a colorful thing. It started out like you said, a little more grounded in realism, but then it was exaggerated enough. And that, I think it's funny too. In retrospect, I'm not sure if it stayed in that direction of like rock and roll and grunt and hawk, and it kind of was a little more you know plain. And vanilla, and it kind of stayed grounded in realism. If I would have got so into it, the 1984 and 1985 waves of those characters where they introduced it started in '83, they started to get a little more colorful, quote unquote, with That's characters like Gung Ho and stuff yeah. like that, right? But in what really when they started with Storm Shadow and you know Barbecue and Bazooka and Blowtorch and all those guys, it 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 crossed over into an era for me that was like colorful, but it wasn't going too far. 
it was still believable, but kind of fun. You know, it had that perfect sort of symmetry, uh, you know, th- it was like a harmony. You know, I think, and that's what really, those that's the era that resonated with me the most and where I was particularly jazzed. And the vehicles, too, you know. I wanted to ask you, do we have time? Yeah, we don't. We have all the time in the world. I wanted to see your top five characters, figures, and vehicles. But I don't, I, your characters and figures, that could be one and the same. That's up to you. So can you name your, your the ones that you like the best? Yeah, sure. I mean, so in terms of, I, I think characters would be different than figures for me because some of my favorite figures were never articulated on the show in any way other than like, you know, in the, in the heat of the battle. And some of them were never seen at all. Okay. The GI Joe that I, or it's a Cobra character, but the character that I, I, <laughs> it's kind of strange, but the, the one that I really loved the most as a kid was Allie Viper, okay. which I think was in the 1989 run. And this is, this was far beyond the pale of what you were talking about, where this was like, what the fuck is this? But I love this character. It's ar- like bright orange and bright blue. I remember he him. has like a shield. Yeah. He's like a riot cop yeah he has like a shield right, a visor and like a gun i think i remember this dude and he's like he's got like almost like urban camo on but it's like orange and blue i loved that character yeah. i loved that character and when i would play with my friend tim in particular we would when we would take turns that was always the one that went first they look so cool oh really yeah some of the favorite joes that i had i love sub-zero which was an i think in 1990 wave yeah that was one of the ones i was sorry to miss that was a cool one grandma bought me sub-zero and he was uh, like an Arctic soldier. I like Arctic warfare. I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, it's neat. And he came with like snow boot or snowshoes that you can clip into the you know the holes in his sure. feet. Yeah, yeah. And like a gun, and he just had white with like blue, like sky blue trim. He was like really simple. I really liked him a lot. So that was a, another one of my favorite figures. And uh, Snow Serpent, going back to that, good. Uh, snow good Serpent call. came with a snowboard, which was cool yeah, as hell. Good call. He was great. He had like a really cool gun. I remember his gun was like really. It was surprisingly deep in the sense that it wasn't, it was like, it was wrapped with like what appeared to be like, the, it was obviously a plastic bowl, but it was wrapped with like, like appeared to be tape. Yes, I remember that. So to make it white or whatever. Yeah, it looked cool. And so I, there was just a lot of really cool stuff with, with that. Um, as far as like Joe's are concerned, I mentioned Tunnel Rat before, who I really loved. I mentioned Stalker, who I really loved. In terms of like the really old OG ones, I would probably go with Rock and Roll is probably my favorite. Oh, the heavy machine gunner. Okay, cool. But I there's something to love about Bazooka, about Flint, obviously about Duke. Flint, I think I like more because of you. I, I never took the Snake Eyes as much as I took the Storm Shadow. Oh, that's interesting. So, so I think it, it intermingles. As far as like characters are concerned, I love Cobra Commander. Like I, I, I he's so... This is the thing that used to make my friends at IGN laugh about where I was like, the thing about Cobra Commander, first of all, Cobra Commander and Destro are like a couple. Yeah. Like a married couple. Yeah. They're just married. Like, I think there's undertones there. Uh, Intentional or not, which is fine. But what I loved about Cobra Commander was I'm like, I don't really understand what your motivation is at all. I don't understand what the hell is going. And still to this day, I'm like, why is any of this happening? Yeah. This no is one so can really. An- you can answer like all these really intricate questions about their organization, <laughs> about their hierarchy, about where they are and how they train and all this stuff. But when you really like ask, like, but why are you doing this? Right. But why? What's going how on? How are you here? recruiting these people? <laughs> Um, as far as like kind of the more foddery characters, I really loved the microwave soldiers, and also the uh, the Crimson too. Guard were really cool. Yeah, they and, were cool. And I liked how the Crimson. I liked how there was like a delineation and like a tiering system with the Cobra, with the Vipers and the officers, where the, and you can really get nerdy with it with the file cards and stuff, and like their 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 designations and shit. Yeah, but like that there was like an elite group of soldiers that were still like nameless uh, underneath 
the names that you knew, whether it was Firefly or whether it was Dr. Right, Mind right, or right. Major Blood, whatever the case might be. Yeah, definitely. Metalhead and all those guys that below them were these, like, then a hierarchy of soldier types. Yes. That, that you know, got down to the Cobra officers, like the blue-garbed Cobra officers, which right. are some of the coolest-looking... I, I still love them. Yeah, like, Timeless. They, they just have, like, the, the handkerchiefs over their face right. and, and, like, helmets on and stuff exactly, like that. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, good I think that's kind of my answer in terms of vehicles. So I loved you had this, I think. Okay. I, I don't remember the name of it. It was a boat where it had depth charges. Yeah, that was the <laughs> hover, the USS, uh, the whale, the killer whale. Killer whale. I yeah, think the so. hovercraft, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a really cool vehicle. That was a good one. And I loved the depth charge thing. I didn't. I remember being a kid and being like, I don't even understand what this is. Like they, it drops like these barrels into the yeah. sea. And why? What do the barrels do? But then you realize, oh, they're looking for submarines and stuff. And. And so that was cool. The Hiss is obviously a classic. Yeah. That's definitely. a 1983 vehicle. It's really one of the first vehicles. I don't know how anyone couldn't love that. Yeah. You had... That's got to be in everybody's favorite. God, I wish I remember the name of this one because the coolest vehicle is actually maybe the smallest one, which was the helicopter. Do you remember the yeah. Do you remember the one-person helicopter? It was yeah. really small. That's the Fang. The Fang, yeah. right. The, and it was so cool because a lot of the vehicles, as you might remember, had these pegs on them for the backs or for the feet. Yeah. To like sit, stand on the side or whatever. Right. But this one was so small and would rattle characters so much because you were moving with it so quickly that it actually had the thing for the back where it would, it would strap yes, in the character. Yeah, would tab in with their back. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved that uh, that vehicle. Good call. The one that I had, I and I think mom and dad would tell you this, I de-emphasized, I de-emphasized vehicles in a major way when I was when I went into collecting. Most of my, I would say three quarters of my vehicles were yours. I had a hideout. It wasn't the flag or anything like that. I had a base that came with cross country. Oh. This Or was it road pig? One of those, one of those characters, it was like a base that opened up, oh. and mom or dad got it for me in like 1990, 1991. It was pretty cool. I don't know it, or maybe it came with cross country. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember the. Okay, before. that was pretty cool. And I had this blue fighter jet, this Cobra fighter jet with yellow missiles. Oh, I remember that, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah, called. I don't remember what it was called either, which later, was really, really, was really, really neat, and it had like retractable landing gears. Yeah, but this was before like the auto launch missiles and stuff like that, which I think kind of set the newer vehicles apart in a way yeah that was a whole different so thing. i mean those are some of my favorites but in reality when i look at when i go back and look at my collection like i loved night viper and like there was just a lot of really cool vipers i feel like there was like a level maybe maybe it was maybe it was super derivative and i'm just wrong but there seemed to be a lot of cleverness drawn out of just the idea that we can instead of just having vipers those were the original you know bad guys and cobra officers and crimson guards and microwave soldiers and all these kinds of things bats that we can like there's these literal specialized groups of soldiers that do these very specific things so i remember like rock viper was like a rock climbing viper i don't know if you remember when he came with like a backpack where it came with a spool of yarn oh okay and like a hook a grappling hook yeah and you can like hang that's, him from things that's cool saw viper was this guy saw meant something it was like something something weapon oh it was an acronym and it was like a huge he came with a gigantic gun that was I, probably like three times longer than him i think i remember that guy uh he was like red he like, was red like maroon yeah so he was great. Laser Viper was really cool. He came with like an almost Boba Fett looking helmet and like this backpack with laser guns on him. And then like these, this gun that he held that with a wire that attached to his backpack. Oh, that's cool. Heat Viper was like this orange Viper. Heat was another acronym. Oh, that's cool. That the acronyms. Are yeah. Cool. Like I don't remember what any of these acronyms that's so meant. so cool. So there was all of these. It was the era when you weren't collecting, but when I was like deep into it as yeah. a kid. That, yeah. 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 And then there were other ones that are not Vipers. Like Annihilator was a really cool one. He, he came with a helicopter backpack. I remember mom bought him for me when we were going to like Dana to watch Dana play soccer and I was bitching about something. So she bought me a G.I. Joe <laughs> and Annihilator was like, a, yeah, he, he had like a helicopter that like retracted into his backpack. It was like they, they were starting to get like really cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's I can that's go cool. on and on about that. But that's awesome. How about you? What Which ones stand out for you? I think I could actually probably name some of your you favorite. You probably could name all five of mine. They're pretty, they're pretty, 
pretty easy answers. I would say I'll just go for the top five. Storm Shadow, Firefly, Snake Eyes, of course. Um, I really liked Lady J, although I didn't really... I liked her character and I liked her weapons, her speed, you know, her that had a spear for any occasion type of thing. I thought that was always really cool. But I never owned her. I never owned Lady J. I liked... You co- had Scarlet, right? I had Scarlet. I had CoverGirl. Yeah, CoverGirl um, was cool as hell. CoverGirl, I always liked the name. I always thought that name was so cool. I don't know. For the last two, I'll go... I'll tell you where I'll tell you where I'll go and then I'll tell you where I absolutely will not go. Okay. I li- I liked the what was the Cobra Frogman's name? Eels. Yeah, the eel. I like that. And I like I'll just go Cobra Officer because I always thought they were so cool. So there's mostly ninja looking guys. At my, yeah, it seems group. like it's seems like there's a theme there. Yeah, yeah. That's easy. I'm easy. I'm an easy tar- an easy target. But can I just say one thing about that I wrote on my list? I'm glad we remembered to talk about it. Snow job. Yes. Really has, bro. I mean, I knew that was ridiculous when I was whatever nine years old or whatever. You know, come on, nobody, nobody flagged that. Yeah, I don't like you couldn't Snow name him Blizzard or something like that. Like there was no other, <laughs> there was no other name that you could come up with. Blizzard. He, he could have been the Avalanche. Cool, something like there's some other name, right? Cool there's some name. other cool snow name that we could come up with here besides Snow Job. I mean, we purposely avoided him because of the name. Yeah, it was, it was, it was. I don't even know what that means. I don't want to be Snow Job. Like it's, it's so funny you say that because I, I think of all the great names that are, you know, like uh, Barbecue and Blowtorch being, well, blow, not Blowtorch, but Barbecue being like a fireman, right? They came up with all these clever names, like right? These acronyms zap yeah was like a like a i think had laser guns and stuff like that sci-fi which was a really cool character actually had was cool. like was like a technician yeah um, stretcher cool. was a medic and then they just have snow job you couldn't name him avalanche on, you couldn't snow name job. him blizzard you know snowstorm right you know like something something you know come on you could have we could have done better than that. larry hama i think this might be your fault but i don't know for is sure. he responsible for snow I job i don't i mean, think oh. he's responsible for a lot of these characters come on I know I understand what a snow job is, but kids don't hear snow job and no, you know they think of something else. The other thing that bothers me is why why is Major Blood spelled B L U D D? That's what always bothers me. I'm like, why is that an acronym or no? No, it's not. I think it might be his name. Like his oh, that's his actually name. his name. He was always one of my favorites. Yeah, he's funny as hell in Great the cartoon. Great character. I never had him. I actually don't think I have any Major Blood. Characters. Yeah, there was a couple of iterations yeah. of him, right? Yeah, he I was definitely cool. had the first one. Mindbender, I have the second iteration, but not the first one. The first one's really cool because I think he only came with like a. Oh no, that's not. There was another. There was a Cobra, like mind reader, Cobra psychic okay. called, called Crystal Ball or something like that. I don't know about this character. And he came with like a, a crystal ball. I think really? that, like a scepter or something. And I think he that was, was a it. Mage. I don't know what the fuck they were doing. Cobra they... was all Cobra was into the like they're like the Nazis. They were like into the occult and like That's ar- interesting. and like pseudo archaeology. They could have crossed it. You know what? Also, I should say we were talking about video games. It's such a shame that GI Joe didn't live long enough, or they felt like it didn't live long enough to cross into the 16-bit video game era because they could have made a really cool 16-bit game of GI Joe, even if uh, a platformer certainly. But can you imagine a GI Joe RPG like JRPG style GI Joe game? That, that would have awesome. been freaking amazing. Yeah, that would have been awesome. You know. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot to explore, and maybe they do. I know that they did. What was that thing called, like Sigma Six or something like that? Yeah, that came. That later. was supposed to be really good, actually. I don't know it. I because I, I remember seeing one scene of it when I was at like WonderCon or something. Was uh, that the anime? Yeah, it was yeah. like they were in like a bank or I don't know. I, I could be making this up, but they, it was like there was blood. Like people were getting fucking mowed down. I never saw it, but it, it had like Roadblock and a couple of other char- like characters. Oh, I'm, I'm getting the scenes confused. Yeah, it was. It almost reminded me of Endor. Yes, like outside of the compound. Yes. like in in Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where they're fighting there and some they're getting like mo- people are getting mowed down, and it looked, looked real serious. It was, was cool. Like, I don't know it either. I know what you're talking about, but I never saw it. I don't know if that's what G.I. Joe is. See, that was the problem I had when they made those two live action movies. The first, you know, I saw the first one in the theater the first day. Yeah. And I knew it was going to be terrible. 
But oh, you did see the first slide. I never saw the live action films. Oh yeah, I saw them. You saw them. Okay. Oh, definitely. And it was like this isn't this doesn't work. GI Joe requires, and I think this is what they didn't get, and I think that what we have to admit about it is it requires heavy amounts of camp. If you don't have, if GI Joe isn't campy and fucking really weird, yeah, then it's not really gonna work. Now it seemed like that Sigma Six, whatever it's called, thing went in a different direction and worked. But it's similar to Mega Man in the sense where it's like, of course, Wily's the bad guy, right? And he gets out of jail, and that's just the way it works. And you don't really want to think too deeply about it because it's yeah. not really about that. It's about the characters, the gameplay, and all that kind and of the stuff. Fun, yeah. And with GI Joe, it seemed to me to be about like what what I was saying, where it was like, I don't understand who these people are, yeah. What their motivation is, right, right. Who pays them? Where they get their money, what they're organizing. I have no sure. idea what's going on here. And because there's a really funny, it was like an IO9 article or something where it was like the 10 craziest G.I. Joe or 10 craziest Cobra plots. And you read them and I'm like, what? It's so funny, dude. Like there's so many funny things that they were doing. And that's kind of part of the fun. And so if you, so with the movie, it wasn't necessarily that it was taking itself too seriously. Is that it was removed from the, the, the camp. Yeah. Of it all. They were trying to ground it too much, right? Or trying to yeah it's uh, it's interesting to reinvent something because it's a risk you know it may or may not work if you lose what's inherently special about it somewhere along the way then yeah it's, it's, it just doesn't work you know absolutely it's something else why it, call it gi joe it make that's a exactly right you know and that's why i said and i meant it and i've said it to you is that what they could have really done even as a wink and a nod to gi joe fans even if it went in a totally different direction and was what it was was that i really wanted them to recreate the intro from the movie of uh, the gi joe movie in 87 where but in the live action that was the statue cool. of liberty even if you superimpose it where like the the cobras like paratroop you know paratroopers are like and you and, got all the balloons yeah and, and, like you could have done like a frame for frame reshoot of that. that would be pretty cool and at least for a little bit because I, I love when the crimson guards land and that crimson guard punches the cameraman yeah, that's like my favorite shot in that whole thing. That's, that's really, like that intro is so good. Like when he punches, like you see the camera, you see the Crimson Guard punch the camera, and then it shows the other shot of him punching the camera. It's so, so it's, cool. it's like so, it's like so neat. It's really good. Yeah. So it was so ahead of anything animated that's come that came before that. So it was like really eye opening. And I wish that they kind of like gave a wink and a, like there was no wink and nod to anything. Yeah, that's a movies. shame. Really. It becomes something. It's feel, that feels like the Transformers movies to me, which I refuse to watch. You know, oh, the it's, just, just ter- it's something terrible, else. Dude. It's something else. It's not that. Just call it something else. You know. So, but well, I'm a pure. We're purists. You know. Yeah. Well, I I just feel I I I'm troubled by this idea that nothing can be left alone. Everything's indefinite. Yeah. And we have to eventually go back to everything. Everything needs to be remade. Yeah, it's a shame. Everything needs to be revisited. Everything needs to be re-released. Yeah. Everything. And I have a real huge problem with that. Yeah. I, I really do. Me I too. I have a problem with that with online content too, where Someone does a podcast for two years and then they're like, well, like, and we don't want to do it anymore. And then yeah. people, you know, not us, but pe- people get mad about it. And I'm like, why, why is your expectation that this just continues? Forever? Right. Sometimes it's time to end things. Yeah. And it, you know, the, rehashing something seems like such an easy, easy cash in. And it's like sort of the, it's sort of the easy path, but you know, it's, there's a good chance it's not going to work because inherently you might, there's a good chance you're not connected with what made this work initially. You lose that thread or threads. It's 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 useless, you know. Yeah, it's it's a shame that whole philosophy. Hopefully that'll change. I mean, with the golden age of television, it's start, certainly changing. But for feature film, yeah, they have to drop that. It's time to re- try to do some new stuff, you know, for sure. Definitely. So I I get mad in games with movies with you know it's like even with like things like you know that were supposed to be pretty cool like Blade Runner, and stuff like that. Where yeah. I'm like, why can't you just Blade leave, Runner was good. Leave this alone though. Like what? Why right. are we? 
why are we doing this? Right. Are there really no new ideas? And so right. with G.I. Joe, I would have there's part of it. Part of me is, like I said earlier, is happy that it's never gone away and that there's all this stuff to collect and people are still enjoying them. Yeah. And, and they're nostalgic. about Right. It. Exactly. And, and people are still buying them. And, and hopefully, you know, some kids are getting into it and stuff. But at the same time, it would have been way more special if they just left it alone. Yeah. And there's another side of the coin, which is a side of the coin that contradicts that, which is that if they did that, then we would have never gotten the three and three fourth inch figures to begin with because that wasn't G.I. Joe. That's true. That was a rehash, right? So oh, good point. So yeah, good. Good call. There's a contradiction there, right? There's Absolutely. definitely a contradiction. there. Absolutely. Well, I hope all of you enjoyed this episode of Colin's Last Stand Knockback. We had a great time talking about G.I. Joe, one of the favorite our favorite things from our childhoods. Definitely keep that feedback coming. We're going to do more, obviously, and cover new topics. We'd love to hear what you think. So, of course, you can t- let us know on Patreon. You can also let us know on social media. You can find me on Twitter at No Taxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Dagan's on Twitter at Dagan1973 and on Instagram at DaganLikesToDraw. Mm-hmm. So give us your feedback, good or bad. I want to hear all of it. We can always do better, of course. But I think it's clear we can always do worse. <laughs> and watch out if you get a call from the Viper. The, v- the Vindo Viper. <laughs> that's a real deep GI Joe cut. <laughs> we didn't get into that, but no, that's a teaser for something to come. It would, yeah, it would be, well, it would be funny. I, see, I think with some of the topics we've done, we, there's ways to revisit these topics. Oh, yeah. You I would love this. to take the time, and we could do movie commentaries and fun stuff like that, too, in the future, but I love, I would, would love, fun. any excuse for me to go back and watch, let's see, 139 episodes of G.I. Joe cartoons? I would do that. I could do it. I would do, totally. I might do kill it. myself, but I could do it. <laughs> Yeah, so there's all this. So anyway, we want to hear what you think. Remember, you can support us on Patreon, too, at patreon.com slash Stand. If you support us at the $2 a month level, you actually get to vote in two dueling topics, or elections, rather, every month to determine topics for SideQuest, which is our my video game YouTube show, and for this show here. So that's a good way for you to give feedback. And actually, I think, Dagan, the next time we record, we should have two or three fan-determined topics that we have to do episodes on. Which will oh, be that's cool. That'll be fun. And yeah. if you support us at the $5 level, for instance, a month, you will get early access to this show and to Fireside Chats, which is the conversational podcast I do with all sorts of interesting guests. So there's all sorts of reasons for you to support us if you'd like. But you don't have to, of course. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Dagan appreciates you, too. Absolutely. We'll see you next time. Collins Last Stand Knockback is fan-supported over at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and I want to thank you from the very bottom of my heart for your incredible kindness and generosity. Ahmed Alloways, Martin Beck, Fred Bentz, David Blodel, Mark Boggio, Spencer Bran, Isaac Brewer, Lennon Brixey, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Andrew Burkhart, John Burry, Alex Cabrera, Will Caldwell, Luis Cancado, Max Cannon, Matthew Canoy, Cesar Cardoso, Shermer Carter, William Cashel, Enrique Cezina, Jay Shandarlis, Travis Chandler, Sean Chandler, Kenneth Char, David Chestnut, Benjamin Clark, Dan Clifford, Simon Conception Jr., Brad Cooley, Nick Cummings, Will Curry, Daniel Diamore, Daniel Delanikos, Luke Drake, Travis Ellison, David Ellis, Eric Finkenbeiner, Michael Fiore, James Fitzpatrick, Mike Francis, Alexander Gates, Michael Gates, Daniel Glassford, Ben Gluckman, Tyler Goodwin, David Gurley, Ryan Greenwood, Miranda Grubba, Andres Guzman, Tyler Harris, Christopher Hendricks, Wyatt Henry, Andrew Hess, Jordan Hood, Joshua Hunt, Steve Innerfield, Stephen Insler, Josh Yeager, Paul Joyce, Jeremy Key, Nathaniel Khalil, Donald Laws, Joe Lawson, Juan Lesh, Don Q. Lee, Patrick Leslie, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lou and Ray Loper, Josh M., Ryan T. Mandel, John McManus, Devin McMasters, Joe McPartland, Albert Miranda, Mad Mock Media, Alex Moans, Betty Ann Moriarty, Guillermo Mueller, Connor Nesbitt, Josh Netzel, Adam Nix, 
Andrew O, Brian Ott, Jorge Palomino, Reed K. Parker, Todd Paxton, Brendan Peavy, Marius Scarson Peterson, Enrique Perez, Jason Pettit, Christian Phillips, Lawrence F. Prokop, Eric R. Pryor, John Quinn, Daxus Rana, Ryan Reeves, Michael Renner, Alex Reyes, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Austin Riley, Ryan Robertson, Ramon Rodriguez Jr., Petro Rose, A.G. Rowe, Michael Sanchez, Matthew Savoy, James Schmetz, James Schubert, John Schultz, Chris Schaefer, Mike Shaw, Ray Ann Scheinabarger, Toby Schutman, German Sidhu, Alex Simmons, Riley Smith, Jordan Smith, Jared Stuave, Alexander Suarez, Ahmed Tamar, Tam Tran, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Chris Wong, Aaron Watts, Michael Wells, Payne White, Tyler Woodall, Benjamin Worrell, Corey Wyatt, James Zimmerman, Steven Sinchevsky, Tony Zuniga, Casual Misfits Gaming, Barrick, Mubarak, Tynamite, Bowen76, Chris, and Doc2015.